This is The Shift Podcast. On Weird Science with Andrew Ferreira, Elon Musk says a lot of people are going to die before they get to Mars. Is that actually true? Andrew Ferreira says it's very true and surprising it hasn't happened more often. Are you okay with sleeping at work? That's on the podcast. And in case you missed it, how much can an old internet meme be worth? Well, a lot. And we'll check in with Ryan O'Donnell. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with boxing matches? Oh, depends. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge boxing fan. I I like the strategy and endurance, but it's also bloody. It's a little bloody. I I like the movies more than the actual sport. The like the sport is cool, don't get me wrong, but Rocky, Creed, uh even Ip Man 2 when a martial artist fights a, you know, a boxing legend I love those movies, but every time I try to sit down and watch an actual boxing match, I kind of end up just turning it off. I can't imagine that boxing's days aren't numbered. When you look at other sports like football or hockey, they have concussion protocol, right? Like if you stand up and wobble, they have to pull you and check you if you're okay, right? Mm -hmm. And so even though boxing is very much the same if you stand up and you if you wobble and go down you can get up again and keep fighting the referee has to make that call are you okay or not okay and um and i just i i can't imagine that purposefully trying to do that is something that continues long term i just i can't whether i like it or not i just can't well uh, you might be okay with this particular boxing match i'm gonna guess you're probably not okay though the fight is back on. Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul, YouTube star, have agreed to fight at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday, June 6th. Mm. And Logan Paul, keep in mind he's fighting Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather. He seems pretty confident. One out of ten, what do you think is the chances of you, ten being like, I'm going to knock this dude clean out? Yeah, ten. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think he's going to die, like not actually die, but like I think he's going to step in the ring and Floyd is going to embarrass. Floyd's going to hit this guy so hard, Jake will never be able to show his face in public again. You think Floyd's just going to go easy on him, though? Like, no. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you go no. easy on him? Like, no, I don't think so. That, yeah. There's only one guy who loses in this fight, and that's Floyd. Right? Is that he loses if he loses. Like, They've got Logan Paul's got nothing to lose. He makes money on YouTube videos, millions of dollars, people checking it out. So he's, you know, grandstanding and doing it again, and it's working. Um, Floyd hopefully will take him down. And that being said, Logan Paul's been in quite a few fights, and it seems like that's really all he does now is well, train. No, for Jake this. Paul. Jake Paul, oh. his brother, is the one who's doing fight after fight. Logan's only done one or two. There's more than fights. one of them? Yeah, they're brothers. They're oh equally God. awful. They're the all, internet's both duplicating. Awful. Crappy is duplicating. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew that. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so this guy, this brother, hasn't fought lots. He's fought one. He he's. I believe he's fought one professional match, and he lost in a tie decision with another YouTuber. Yeah. So this is just a this is just a money for clicks thing. 
So, so does it? <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I, I was no, going to complain. Just, so I'm just thinking about like, ding ding, done, and he's down. That's what I'm thinking about right now. Hmm. No, I think I, like it's weird. I think they'll dance a little bit for show. They'll have to drag yeah, it out a little a bit. Little, yeah, know? for money for sure. But I just, I just imagine feel like this just, is unboxing. No, this right. This is more for clout than anything. But just well, imagine, just, like it's entertainment. It's not boxing. Yeah, and it's going to be like a minute because it's going to end in the first round unless they dance around and you know. But can you imagine if Floyd loses in his career? He goes fifty and one, and he loses to a YouTuber. Oh dear God! That's what I mean. He's the only one that can lose. Uh, uh, Logan Paul made his name as a Disney Channel star. Yep. Uh, oh, there you go. Um, so the last fight that Mayweather was part of was in 2018, so it's been a while. And he faced Japanese kickboxer Tenshin Nasakawa. And it ended in the first round against a professional kickboxer. Hmm. Mm. So that, so that's the, that's Mayweather just using hands to take down a guy who's used to using his feet. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I would take I would take Mayweather on that mm -hmm. one. Boy, you yep. can make some money though if Logan Paul wins. Um 8773999898. There goes the perfect shift. Thanks newish guy. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks from Doug. Doug nicknames everybody on the shift by the way. So, uh I would uh be nice to Doug. Um, Brody Kylie. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll go with that. <laughs> What's his name? He says, uh, Brendan Kelly. Uh, we might call him care careless clicker, but whatever. Spinning your favorites from the 90s. <laughs> Psychedelic <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Are you okay? Really? Are you okay yep. with li licensee yep. plates? <laughs> you know I gotta you gotta sneak one in there. You know I gotta do it. Licensee, licensee plates. Yeah, I can't spell this word for all my life. License is one of those words I just can't spell. That and well, uh, definitely, I always screw up. Definitely. And as I've come to learn while working on the show, I can't spell a lot of words. <laughs> um, well, I tell you how you don't spell it. L-I-S-E-C-N-E. Lysekne. And there is a grammar lesson courtesy of The Shift. Are you okay? Are you okay with license plates? That's a typo. I like vanity ones. Yeah, I like vanity plates. I like some provinces and states have some like really nice cool ones. looking ones. Yeah. Alberta, it, they uh, have the veterans plates. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Those are great. Is it Northwest Territories that has the polar bear uh, shaped nice. uh, yeah. license plate? Is it the uh -huh. Yukon or Northwest? The Yukon? Northwest Territories. Northwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northwest. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's amazing. Uh, and no, I love, yeah. And like, and you know, and when you play racing games, the license plate is the last thing you customize on your car before you take it out. It's kind of like a rite of passage. So, yeah, license plates can be cool. 
All right. An Alberta driver has been handed thousands of dollars in fines and a mandatory court appearance after it turned out the license plate hidden behind a tinted cover was just a printed piece of paper. That's cool. <laughs> that must have been a nice, high-quality printer. According to, imagine if it rained and it all got drippy. Uh, according to an RCMP Alberta Facebook post, the driver was traveling on the QE2 highway, which is the highway that goes north-south between Edmonton and Calgary, last month when an RCMP traffic member spotted the tinted license plate cover, which is often used for things like photo radar. If you don't have photo radar in your province, that's a thing in Alberta, and people try to use reflective skins on their license plates. So when the flash goes off on the photo radar, it just flashes bright light back, and they can't tell who you were. This person used a tinted one. Once the driver was stopped, the officer attempted to run the plate number through the police data bank, but the officer was told the plate did not exist. Oops, imagine if it did exist. That could be even worse. Um, according to police, the driver used a made-up number, and printed the image of the license plate at home, then placed it on, over an I heart my car vanity plate <laughs> and put it behind the tinted cover. If convicted, the minimum fine is $2,875. He, that guy could have got a fancy plate for that. Uh, in fact, California is testing a very fancy digital license plate. Here's more from ABC 10. Sexy. This is not clunky and chunky like a big piece of metal. Alan Cooper says the future is now when it comes to license plates. His company's product is being tested on cars across California. When your registration becomes uh, renewable, you pay online and these just click over to the next year. It's called the Reviver Plate, a digital e-ink smart license plate. The state approved testing the technology in 2013. Testing for just the viability and the functionality of the plate. I mean, this is just this next big advancement. The plate can do a lot. If your car is stolen, it will actually say stolen on the plate. Or if there's an amber alert, it can relay the message right on it. Cooper says consumers have control over their privacy. You can't change the numbers, and it's on the car tightly. I can't pull that off. So it's on the car and it's fixed. Cooper says the plate wires into the back of the car and doesn't need a charge. He says Reviver Auto is in contact with car dealers to get it on San Diego lots now. You want the coolest iPhone, you want the coolest plate, make my car look great, that's what it is. That reminds me of those hats you use, those hats you used to buy in the kiosk in the mall that would have the scroller across the hat. That's dumb. I, I think this is the... It, it, on surface, it's a cool idea, but it's the dumbest thing ever because it's only a matter of time until somebody figures out how to hack one of those Absolutely. and you drive along and then your license plate says something very unflattering on it mm -hmm. or has an unflattering picture. Your ex gets a, hand, uh, gets a hold of the login somehow mm -hmm. and uh, your license plate all of a sudden says cheater, right? Something like that. That would be crazy. The stolen thing is kind of cool, though. If your car got stolen and all of a sudden the license plate said stolen. Yeah, that's cool. That's kind of cool because then that would allow, like, immediately you would know that the car is gone. So that's kind of cool. There are some other pieces of cars potentially changing in the future. I don't know if you've heard this, but there is some speculation and some testing around subscriptions 
for car services. Right now, you buy a trim line on a car, right? So right now, the irony is you go and you buy the base model of the car, which has all of the wiring and all of the pieces for the top-end electronics. They're just not, the modules aren't put in, right? So if you wanted a heated steering wheel, you have to buy the car that comes with the heated steering module and the wheel that goes on or whatever. There are a lot of cars that come with a heated steering wheel. The wheel itself is ready. It just doesn't have the module to heat it. Things like that, heated seats. They're ready to go. You just pop in the heated seat modules and uh, in a lot of cars, and some cars are very basic. They just use a cheap seat. But you get my point that you're paying for an awful lot of things that are already built in. They just need to be enabled. And there is some testing on some of the luxury cars that would allow you, you no longer pay for your car and you now have a heated steering wheel and you now have heated or cooling seats or air conditioning and all those kinds of things that you would have to subscribe to a monthly payment plan to enable your heated steering wheel. Now there's good and bad to this. So imagine this. It's the middle of winter. It's really, really cold. So you go click on your thing. You pay your four bucks for the month. Your heated steering wheel works. Now you've subscribed to it. And now you've got a heated steering wheel for the coldest month of the year. I don't need it any other month of the year, though. So what the add-on used to be $400. You just enable it when you need it. You pay for the month. And you just pay for it when you use it. That part is curious to me. But the notion is, is that, of course, you've got to subscribe to all the extra things on your cars. Hey, man, why don't your windows roll down? I had to take it. I run out of money, man. I had to take it off the subscription. So imagine paying for internet in your car like you would if you get internet in a fancy car or you get uh, you want a heated steering wheel or heated seats. And those kinds of add-ons would have to be paid for month to month, even after you pay for the car. I don't think it's going to happen, though, because what that would mean is, is that if you wanted to pay for a heated steering wheel and you subscribed and it didn't work, are they going to fix it for you or are you going to have to pay for the repair, mm. then pay for the subscription? And that's the thing. I think people will revolt if you go to turn enable your heated steering wheel and it doesn't work. It was like the time I gave up on Chevrolet uh, because I had the OnStar box inside my car and uh, the OnStar box died. I had the car for about, it was a one-year-old car when I bought it. I had the car for about a year and a half. The OnStar box died. It was out of warranty. And so I called OnStar and I said, my OnStar box is dead. It won't work. They said, have you tried to restart your car? I'm like, yeah, I did <laughs> Are you that. Serious? I do it a few times a day, actually, when every time I get into it. And he's like, well, oh I, he's like, well, then you're going to have to take it to the dealership. So I Googled it and I took the battery post off, tried to reset it and it worked again. And then a few months later, it died, never came back. So I called again. Have you tried to restart your car, sir? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me right now? And they said, sorry, you have to take it to a dealership. I took it to the dealership. They wanted to charge me seven hundred dollars for a new OnStar box. You know what the OnStar box also controlled? Everything Bluetooth and everything communications driven in the car. So even though I had a car that was two, three years old, out of warranty, because I had miled it out because I drive a lot running around with the kids. And um, even though I had done all that, I they wouldn't fix the box. $700 they wanted for it. That means that I had a brand new car that did not have Bluetooth anymore, did not have all those features, could not have internet. And here's the worst part. I was a paying subscriber 
to their internet service, because I used to work in the car when I'd wait for the kids, I was a paying subscriber. And I said, look, if you went to Shaw or Rogers TV or, or any one of those services and your box died, like your cable box died, mm-hmm. and you had to call them and say, look, my cable box is dead. I'm a cable subscriber. They would never say to you, well, you're screwed. Buy a brand new box. They're going to work with you and try and find you a, a deal, right? They're going to try to help it get, they always do. Same thing. Uh, if you have, uh, you know, your phone dies, you call your provider and you say, my phone is dead. They're never going to say, well, all right, here's a brand new one for full price. They're always going to try to work with you. And so I was shocked by this. It wasn't until I complained about it all, like literally called and filed complaints with everybody that then they offered me the part for cost, but I still had to pay labor to put it in and, and get it all done. It was brutal experience. So what from that experience, from being a paying internet subscriber to having it break, to having to replace the part. And then they called me and said, would you like to become an internet subscriber again? Take a while to guess what my answer was. And I promptly traded in the car and got rid of it at that point because I was there was no way I was doing business with those guys again. So if a heated steering wheel is a thing and it breaks down and they're going to charge you month to month for it, I think people will revolt. But that's another little piece of the uh, the puzzle there. Uh, let's right. Well, it makes me angry. Well, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad business. It's greedy business, right? And I think that they, they're like, well, yeah, but people, they're only going to need a heated steering wheel for this much of the year, but then they're going to subscribe. You know why it's a subscription model works. It increases the value of the company because it's guaranteed income and everybody forgets to cancel it. That's why. That's why they do it. That's why they do it with every incentive. When you subscribe to something, they're like, Hey, it's six bucks a month for the first six months, but it's 40 bucks a month after that. Because you forget and you never check. And proof with my son's car, he is the third owner of the car. And the first owner of the car is still paying for the subscription to a satellite radio. So, because it's never been canceled. Crazy. So, yeah, that's what people do. All right. Let's do one more. Are you okay? I love this story. Are you okay with sleeping at work? No, because if I like do. Um, like say you're listening to the replay of the shift afterwards, like the final three hours of the program and you suddenly hear it stop. That's me sleeping at work in the middle of the night. So it's not a good thing, by the way, it's not a a very Vancouver perspective. Well, not everyone gets three hours. No, that's true. That's well, say you're listening to the CKNW stream online and you're all three hours (laughs) and then it stops. Yeah. That's me falling Uh, asleep at work. There's a couple of extra hours in Manitoba and Alberta and extra in Toronto, but not in Hamilton and London. Well, I mean, if the 20 minutes in Toronto stops, then I was really tired. (laughs) There you go. Um, Have you ever fallen asleep at work, though? Not this work. Ryan? Uh, I fell asleep sitting on the counter at EB Games one time, and a customer woke me up with my nintendo switch in my hand and was like hello i'd like to pay for this i was like oh wow thanks you could have just taken everything (laughs) i did not care very much at that job (laughs) yeah there was a time where i used to set i was back when i used to have a pager i used to set my pager when i would dj until late late at night then do morning radio i used to i used to time out how long the computer would play three songs nine minutes or whatever and i would set my pager to go off in nine minutes and it would wake me up and i would pre-plan all of my content and then so I'd wake up, I'd look at the sheet, I'd look at the clock, I'd look at the sheet, and then I would talk about what I would schedule there, and then I'd go back to sleep and reset my... I used to do that. That was in Sudbury. 
All right. Uh, Ted Cruz is okay with sleeping at work. Uh, not from, not Canada's problem. He gave up Canada. Just want to be on the record saying he left Canada. He's not ours anymore. Uh, he's yours. Ted Cruz looks like he took a little nap during President Biden's recent speech. Minutes before Biden wrapped up his speech, cameras showed Cruz, whose eyelids flapped slowly. He was a, it looked like a cartoon. And his eyes appeared to roll back into his head as he seemingly nodded off, however briefly. Uh, the moment came just as Biden was encouraging both Democrats and Republicans to listen and debate with each other over issues like immigration, a key issue in the state of Texas where Cruz is the senator. <laughs> Here's more uh, because the late show was all the late shows were all over this. This is the late show with Stephen Colbert. Cruz went viral last night when during the speech he fell asleep. I can relate to Ted Cruz. Now that Joe's president, I find it much easier to sleep, too. To explain his behavior, Cruz tweeted the video of him falling asleep with the hashtag boring but radical. So he admits he's witnessing radical historic change, but that makes him sleepy. We got to stop Joe Biden. The next thing you know, he's going to nationalize the petroleum in the... Uh, there are cameras everywhere friends you can't do that you can't (laughs) do that uh like you need to start wiggling in your seat i don't know according to people magazine cameras also captured representative liz cheney who has been embroiled in an inter-party standoff with republican colleagues over criticisms of trump fist bumping biden before he spoke meanwhile pelosi and vice president kamala harris share their own elbow bump as they stood on uh, on the dais I don't even know what that is. is oh, that's dies? like the that's like the neat little thing above the, where the president speaks. Oh, speak. is that what it is? Yeah. I yeah. just assumed it was a typo. Sorry. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the words. That's what happens when you don't know the words. You and you have Ryan with you. You just assume <laughs> it was right. a typo. Yeah, uh, the first it. two women to ever be seated behind the president for his address, which was particularly cool. This is the Shift Podcast. There's been so much going on in the world of science that we thought it would be appropriate if we grabbed our buddy, Andrew C. Ferreira, unlocked him, and set him free out of his cage. Let's get started here with the technological world. Andrew Ferreira is weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep science and other people. <laughs> it's time for Andrew Ferreira's Weird Science. You know what's really funny is that I said technological world and both Ryan and Brendan both frowned and tilted their head to the right <laughs> at the same time. Oh, my God. Okay, well, he, he is technological, too, and he's one of the loudest typers in the history of typers. Andrew C. Ferreira and uh, Weird Science. How are you doing, buddy? See, Can't hear you. I'm busy typing. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness uh okay well so much in the world of science here andrew where do you want to go buddy uh well i know that you wanted to talk about uh elon musk saying that people are going to die when we go to mars well so elon musk comes and he says hey yeah we're going to go to mars in an interview and he's sitting down with xprize founder uh peter diamandis and they're chatting about going to mars and he says the journey to Mars, it's uncomfortable. It's a long journey. By the way, you might not come back alive. Yeah, absolutely. He's 100% right. Oh, uh, and I mean, of course, he's 100% right because, duh, you can die anytime. 
duh. Um, but also because space is not good for your body. Like, you, you go outside without spacesuit, you die. Um, and, you know, that's a rudimentary fact, I hope. And if you didn't know that, now you do. Don't don't try it. Um, but spaceflight itself is, is a pretty dangerous thing. Um, you know, in, in terms of a Mars mission, the... I would argue the most dangerous aspect of it isn't going to be some kind of catastrophic, um, like Challenger-like uh, tragedy. I don't think that would be the most likely, um, mm. you know, way that you know a tragedy may unfold. Um, I would chalk it. I think you know you're more likely to you know possibly make it back alive and then succumb to cancer at some point um, because space is full of radiation. Um, and the radiation is bad. It does bad things to your DNA, uh, like murderize it and clobber it into pieces. Um, oh, very scientific terminology, I know. Very um, scientific, but somewhat somewhat accurate and descriptive. Well, absolutely right, because the type of radiation that um, astronauts are exposed to uh, on the daily aboard the International Space Station um, is something called ionizing radiation. And for the most part, Earth's atmosphere more or less deals with ionizing radiation. Um, Earth's atmosphere is pretty good at blocking it out unless you forget to put on sunscreen. You get a sunburn and you turn into like a red pickle and it's just awful. Um, but pickle. in space, um, you're, you won't be so lucky if you're, if you're exposed to that kind of radiation uh, because there isn't the protective blanket of air and quite literally the protective blanket of, of molecules in the way. Um, the best defense against radiation is quite literally just putting as much stuff between you and the radiation source as possible. Um, and I'll get to why that's important in a little bit here. Uh, but absolutely, I think that, you know, going to Mars, the actual en route dangers, like in that immediate moment, are um, what are called coronal mass ejections. Uh, you may refer to them when they hit the Earth, they're generally called solar storms. Um, and this is when the sun decides to have a, a little bit of a hissy fit, quite like me, um, after a Canucks game. And then, you know, it kind of loses loses its cool a little bit and probably tweets something that it wasn't supposed to tweet. And that tweet rockets towards Earth at, you know, a good chunk of the speed of light. You never um, do and, that. And when that tweet uh, slams into Earth's uh, magnetosphere, that tweet gets channeled. I'm, t I'm running the tweet thing into the ground here. Uh, the tweet gets channeled into the North and South Poles because of how... Uh, the Earth's magnetic uh, magnetosphere works. That's where it more or less connects to the Earth proper. Um, but in space, we don't have that protection. Uh, in space, if a coronal mass ejection was to, you know, uh, come for, you know, a starship or, or whatever spaceship going, you know, even to the moon, um, there isn't that protective blanket of, of magnetic material. Uh, the spaceship would, you know, uh, unless, you know, corrective measures were taken or there was some kind of active deterrent, um, on board, the people inside that spaceship could be, you know, uh, 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 struck with, you know, hundreds of times uh, the safe um, for astronaut uh, radiation limit. Um, and that safety and that radiation limit is already quite high. Um, to give you an idea, uh, and I, I hate using com uh, comparisons like this because it really doesn't illustrate things well, but what it does do is illustrate the, the level of severity. So uh, it's not to be completely unexpected that a Mars astronaut uh, could receive a radiation dose up to 700 times higher uh, than what they would see just normally chilling on the surface of Earth. Uh, and that would be over the duration of, of a mission. 
Um, but don't they have like a liner or something that you know that they that they wear or that they have inside the capsule, like some tinfoil or something? That's that's kind of the uh, one of the one of the things that scientists are looking at is materials that can lessen the load, because really um, being on being on the ground in Earth, like Earth experiences, you know, that 700 times the amount of radiation in space because there's no protection there. Um, but the only thing that protects us is, you know, about the 100 kilometers of air. When you think about that, that's a lot of protection, um, you know, it, for the most part. Um, the you know the metal and 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 the carbon fiber and all that that built makes up a spaceship is enough to to block some of the low power radiation but the stuff that's really dangerous um are things called galactic cosmic rays which you know sounds like a really cool prog rock band um but what they really are are right are uh high energy particles that have been you know expelled from for instance uh the collision of two stars or a supernova or a black hole uh, and those things will tear through, you know, most things like a hot knife will slice through butter um, mm. and all the way through. It'll, you know, wreck your DNA and leave it not as great as not as great looking as it was on the way on beforehand. Um, and so a lot of, you know, the real danger, I think, and as you know, Earth moves into space more as time goes on here and we you know pioneer more and more technology in orbit, uh, we'll start to see. Uh, I, I predict we'll start to see cancer cases in, in former astronauts, um, especially for those who do lots of extravehicular work like spacewalks. Um, I could absolutely foresee that uh, on Mars. Mars's atmosphere is pathetic compared to Earth's. It's weak. It didn't go to the gym. Um, it's magnetosphere almost non-existent. Um, and so simply being on the surface of Mars is almost as bad as just being in space. Um you know, a lot of scientists for this reason have, you know, wanted to, you know, if we're going to you know, build things on Mars, we want to build things underground uh, because the protection of, you know, the Martian soil, you know, a few feet of essentially rocks will more or less uh, cover the radiation, uh, you know, exposure danger. Um, and all of the missions uh, that have been proposed to land on Mars, a lot of them from SpaceX, uh, land in the lowest elevation parts of Mars. Uh, so putting as many molecules between, uh, you know, potential Mars astronauts and, um, and, and sources of radiation, because there's just no protective blanket like the one on Earth. Hmm. It's um, interesting um, to, to look at that, you know, from that perspective is that, you know, you could get cooked, you could get baked on the way. Um, I don't know if I ever thought of that. Now, of course, there is the possibility of having enough fuel to get there, Mars, and not being able to come back too. Is that a thing? Yeah, the, I mean, that would be one incredible, you know, series of either mistakes or, um, uh, you know, unforeseen events that would lead to something like that. Um, but, you know, uh, spacecraft are finicky things. You look at, you know, the, the roster of astronauts who have been into space, and this is just, mind you, the, the furthest any of these people have ever been is, is the moon. That's like a three-day trip in what we have. Mars is like an eight-month trip, essentially, seven or eight months. Um, so in a three-day trip, the astronaut fatality rate on the job is about three and a half percent. Um, there have been something like 600 astronauts, I believe. I might be over, over um, 
overshooting that number a bit, but around 600 astronauts have been to orbit. And I want to say about 15 or 20 have passed away um, in various decompression accidents, uh, you know, flight failures, et cetera, et cetera. So even just, you know, going up to orbit 100 kilometers above us, you know, you have a, a fairly substantial risk of, of not making it. And as time goes on, that risk only compounds further and further the longer you're out there. Um, if you're on your way to Mars and something breaks on that ship, you're, you know, unless you've got a handy dandy 3D printer that can, you know, manufacture parts, uh, you know, with relative speed uh, and you have plenty of redundant parts, if you're out of luck, then you're really out of luck. Um, yeah. You've got to make do with what you have. Uh, other like getting things, a flat with no cell service. Well, exactly, right? Except instead of mm. a flat, it's like an explosion. Instead of no cell service, you're dead. Um, and, you know... <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. funny, but this is the this is the real... This is the reality of, of space travel. Uh, we like right. to think it would I... be some cushy, you know, uh, experience. And perhaps it will be if you're extremely rich. But for the working yeah. man and working woman's astronaut, it'll be, you know, uncomfortable and harrowing. Uh, so we did have a uh, capsule come splashing down SpaceX safely returned for astronauts from the International Space Station on Sunday, making the first cool. U.S. crew splash down in darkness since the Apollo 8 moonshot. Here's how it sounded. And I don't know if you can hear the applause. But we have visual confirmation of the Crew-1 resilience capsule. That is excellent news. We are splashed down. Dragon SpaceX, brace for capsule lift. Pretty cool stuff for them to splash down at nighttime. Now, when it comes to the International Space Station, Andrew Ferreira, uh, there's talk that Russia's pulling out, hey? Yeah, so I've, I've only seen whispers of this. Um, but I think part of this is the realization um, that and you look at what China did just uh, last week, they've successfully launched and deployed their, their core uh, module of their own space station called the Tiangong or Heavenly Palace. Um, so I think Russia may be seeing the opportunity as NASA really isn't, you know, dependent on Russia anymore to get to the ISS. Russia's going, well, what's in it for us, right? Oh. Uh, now that we ha now that the U.S. has, you know, domestic ability again after the shuttle to, to bring, you know, uh, humans to the space station, Russia may be kind of going, well, what's in it for us? Um, you know, they've had the Mir space station before, and that broke up spectacularly over Australia, if you, if you remember that. I don't um, remember that. So there, there's a precedent for that. And I think as time goes on, we'll start to see more national outposts in space, more than international collaboration. Um, the ISS only has, I want to say maybe 10, 15 years of, you know, real life left in it. Um, I'm sure that the mission could be extended through retrofits and all that. But as the older it gets, the more expensive it gets. Um, and soon, you know, there are going to be private companies building space stations, you know, for research, uh, for tourism, uh, for, you know, this is a cool thing that I was reading up on today, space manufacturing, uh, being able to manufacture goods in zero gravity, uh, opens up entirely new worlds of possibilities with what you can do with materials on earth. Um, so I think, you know, over the next, you know, couple of decades, we'll start to see this, um, as much as I hate to say it. Um, I think we'll start to really see this kind of nationalization of space and privatization of space where different countries will have different stations and different corporations will have different stations. Um, just kind of like how everything works on this horrible, horrible planet we live on where everything is, you know, divided by lines and, and protocol and everything. Uh, space will kind of, in my opinion, lose that international flavor. 
Um, and that's just because there are resources abound uh, way up there. Uh, lots of expensive things and lots of ways to make ludicrous amounts of money, not to mention, um, you know, lots of stake to, cl uh, lots of, you know, your claims to fame, you know, being the first person on Mars, being the first person to, I don't know, um, pull up a lawn chair on an asteroid, right? There, there's plenty of reasons <laughs> to have that happen, but I absolutely do see this uh, trend and willingness of, of countries and organizations to kind of go their own way. Um, space is becoming slightly easier. Um, we have the technology now, so why shouldn't countries go their own way is the other way of thinking about it. Um, yeah. Asteroid tailgates. That'll be the next big thing. You watch. It'll be fun. Can't listen to music. super cool. That would be cool. Okay, in uh, 30 seconds, Andrew, if you could get a seat, would you go up? Well, it depends to where. To Mars? Uh, anywhere? Would you go to space? Would you go to Mars? How about that oh, question? I would absolutely go to space. Not even, you know, I would not, I wouldn't even doubt that. But going to Mars, oh, not yet. I'm too much of a coward. Um, I'm, I'm too much of a coward to go yet, but in 30 years, maybe. Yeah, 30 years. <laughs> All right, Andrew C. Ferreira. Uh, is he's very technological in his weird science. Uh, thank you, sir, for being on the shift. Love you, brother. Yeah, take care. It's the shift podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's bleep, boop, bleep, bloop, bloop, the Donald. <laughs> That's right. I'm trying to remember. I love that intro, but I'm trying to remember when I said that and why I said that. It was yeah, a long time ago. Long time ago. I'm I, no regrets at all. Um, look, before we get into, in case you missed it, I have some very important information for you. Right. If you're not at work today or you're working from home, you may be wondering, what day is it? Todd has the answer for us. It's Monday. <laughs> just, just in case you didn't know, it is Monday. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks, uh, Fox 8. That was a real thing that happened on a real live broadcast. Real. This is the world hmm. we live in. I love it. Wow. Uh, this is a crazy story. Memes. Memes come and go. Especially new memes. I would say memes have a shelf life of maybe, maybe three weeks before they become stale. But when I was in high school... A meme lasted for years, like one or two years, and then it was gone. And the face behind one of those memes that I had in high school and elementary school received a big payout for it. So you probably do not recognize this name, but her name is Zoe Roth. But you have probably seen a picture of Zoe Roth at some point in your life. Back in 2005, when she was only four years old, her family went to go look at a house on their street that was on fire. It was a controlled blaze, which was done on purpose, so it was relaxed. The neighbors all gathered to take a picture of the house on fire. And Zoe looked at her dad while the picture was being taken. And the photograph looks like a house on fire. And this little four-year-old girl staring at a camera with kind of a slanted look like, I did that. And it was it's a great picture. It's a fantastic picture. So the idea behind the meme is you put text, you know, behind the picture and, you know, it can be whatever you want it to be. And, uh, you know, she told the New York Times she remembered 
watching the fire engulf those flames. Her dad, who's an f- amateur photographer, said, hey, take a picture. And Disaster Girl, the name of the meme, was born. Just look up Disaster Girl online and you'll probably recognize it. Now, why is this coming up? Well, we've all been talking about NFTs lately. Non, I forgot what they are. Non-fungible tokens. It's essentially, right? Essentially, let's say right now, you took- It makes me think of mushrooms. I got to tell you that. Like, it really does. Fungible? (laughs) Fungible. That sounds like a type of mushroom you don't want to eat. Or maybe you do. What an NFT basically is, is let's say you took a picture of um, a piece, a, a fork. And for some reason, somebody said, that is the coolest picture I've ever seen in my life. It went viral. An NFT is the idea that you sell- that digital photograph. You don't sell a printed version. It's not a painting. It is a digital item that you now own. So the founder of Twitter sold the first tweet ever made as an NFT. I think it's really stupid personally because it's just kind of like weird bragging rights. Like I own this, but no, you don't. I can go and download the image anywhere I want. I can go look it up. So I think NFTs are really stupid, but it is a thing that has taken the internet by storm. But Mrs. Roth sold the original copy of her meme as an NFT. Can you take a guess as to how much money an original meme photo went for at auction? I, based on the fact that these things are going for staggering amounts of money and it's shocking to everybody, I would have mm-hmm. to start at a million dollars and okay. Brendan's probably going to go all prices right and go a million and one. Oh, yeah, that's exactly a million and two. A million oh, and two. Well, you actually, you guys actually went a little bit high. Oh, we went over. Still, oh, we went over. No. But this is still an absurd amount of money. Oh, Should have gone zero. $500,000. Really? Somebody paid $500,000 for a digital copy of a meme. Now, look, this is the other good part is that the Roths, this is the part where it's kind of funny. They still hold the copyright of the photo and they get 10% of future sales. So that's even worse. It's even worse, right? It just doesn't make so any you've sense. you licensed it for half a million dollars. Yep. In order to be, but that means that there's a business plan there. So they're licensed yep. it for half a million dollars. They're going to resell it. So there's, there's, okay, that makes more business sense to me. A little bit, right? But at the same time, this is a dead meme. You know, this is like an archived meme. You know, people who are in high school right now have no idea what this is. So I don't, this, this isn't really marketable anymore. But regardless, what I find interesting about this story is that Zoe was four years old when that picture was taken. And it was years later that it was you know, made famous. So she has been a meme. And the idea of what is your life like when the internet uses your face as a joke? Now, in this case, it's not an insulting joke, but still. So this is an awesome clip. BuzzFeed to do these interview series with people who have been memes. And this is a great clip of Roth reflecting on her becoming a meme. So it turns out there's this magazine called JPEG that had this photo competition called Emotion Capture. And my dad submitted the picture to it and it won. So I was in second grade at the time. I don't really know much about JPEG magazine, just that my dad liked it a lot. So I thought that everybody liked it. (laughs) So obviously I brought the magazine into my class. I showed everybody, I showed everybody in the halls, all my teachers, because I was like, this is me, I'm famous. And to this day, that's definitely the most famous I've ever felt. 
Like nothing has ever compared to me being in second grade, taking my magazine to class. So a trend started to emerge online where people started to Photoshop my picture onto different disasters. So they would take my picture in the corner and they would put something like horrible behind it. Like they put Hitler or they put the Hindenburg blowing up, the dinosaurs going extinct, the atomic bomb, Britney Spears doing her disaster performance. So that was the first wave of the meme, and then people just started putting like text over top of it. So people so, who went to high school in the seventies and probably the eighties don't even know what a meme is. So that's funny. Yeah. Now the cool thing is, she said it's never impacted her negatively, but there have been times where she was waiting tables at a restaurant, and people would say, "Oh my God, you're a disaster girl. Take you know, take my take a picture." Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, hey, at least you got to cash out on it. I mean, I think the guy who bought it is really dumb, but I'm um, good for her for making some money off of being the Internet's joke for a couple of years. There's got to be a um, there's got to be a plan I mean, for half a million yeah. dollars. So um, I mean, she's, she's pretty cute. She looks unhappy, but it's yeah, a pretty good. Look. It's a great picture. It's a great. But there's a reason it went viral. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, congrats and weird. Uh we're going to talk about taxes now. Did you guys do your taxes? Yeah, nope. yeah, I did them. Shane. What? You haven't done your taxes yet? Of course not. Why would I do my taxes? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, you know, you kind of have to. I've always been like, this is the one thing. Too much interest they're going to charge me? Not much. Like probably $4 a month. Yeah. See, I get that. Get I understand that. But I've mentioned on the show on Thursday that I'm petrified anytime I go to the U.S. border. For some reason, I'm like, oh, my God, anything, any little screw up here. If I give the cop a side eye, I'm going to jail. I feel the same way about taxes. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Maybe it's because all my life people have told me how evil taxes are and, you know, how careful you need to be about taxes. But I, I have to do them on time. Also, I like getting money back, but probably not going to get much money back anymore. Uh, unfortunately, there are some, there are some scenarios that, I mean, so as a business owner, corporate taxes for the previous year are actually not due until, uh, for another couple of months. Yep. So, uh, in order for one to be done, the other has to be done. So there's no rush. Right. So otherwise I have to pay to do it twice. So I have, so, yeah, exactly. Right. So we've got, we've got some advice. Okay. Global news. We've got your back. If you have not filed your taxes yet and you just realized it is not, that it's past April 30th and you go, whoa. Or if you are waiting, here are some tips and tricks on what to do now. I'm Erica Alini. This is Money 123. It's May 1st and the tax deadline has come and gone. If you didn't make it, don't let things slip any further. If you owe taxes, the CRA will charge you both for not turning in your return on time and for not paying your taxes. The late filing penalty increases every month you're late, up to 12 months. And the government also charges compound daily interest on your unpaid taxes. The good news this year is that if you received COVID-19 benefits and your taxable income is $75,000 or less, you have until April 30th of next year to pay your 2020 taxes and the CRA won't charge you interest. But even in this scenario, there's a penalty for filing late. The sooner you act, the less it will cost you. Sign up for the Money 123 newsletter for the latest financial tips right in your inbox. Go to globalnews.ca slash money123. Points for promo. 
Thanks, Global News. I like to little, do a little promo. I'll sprinkle it in every now and then when I can. But it's a good That's advice. Nice. I mean, if if you were panicked about it, you know, there are some options here. And I am glad that the government, <laughs> this is the one thing they seem to be a little bit more understanding on, is we get it. Money is very confusing right now, so we'll cut you some slack. I even remember last year. They were like, yeah, it's fine. Your taxes will be late. It's fine. Whatever. We're all mm-hmm. we're all in hell together. And I can respect that. <laughs> yeah. I can respect that a lot, actually. So Yeah, that last year was good. I would suggest that now I'm not an accountant, so don't listen to me, but I would suggest that if you claim CERB at any point last year, it's probably gonna get the uh the roulette wheel of audits. Yeah. That's for sure. And I think that's yeah, probably gonna be the big one, right? Yeah. Um and, and take your time. It's better to do it right and do it late. The interest is really not bad. It's better to do it uh, properly one time than it is to have to do it a couple of times. And oops, did I forget that I drove skip the dishes for five months? Oopsie. Well, my right? Big, like, <laughs> my biggest annoyance is dragging out that garbage bag I have in my closet full of old receipts. I hate doing that every March. I just um, I just put them in separate piles. I got one big one for all the stuff and one for the things that maybe I can write off if the thing lets me. I actually, I filed them pretty nicely. I, I'm not going to be an independent contractor at all at any point this year. So I'm actually happy about 2021. It'll be very straightforward. Nice. Uh, the independent contractor thing is like, oh my God, do I write off it these cookies? Pain. Yeah. Laura, my partner is a tutor, online tutor. And I'm watching them try to figure out how to file taxes for that was a little entertaining, I'm not going to lie. But also, I was like, wow, I'm glad I don't do that. <laughs> well, whenever self-employed is involved, uh, hire an accountant, man. For the 50 bucks it's going to oh, cost yeah. you or 100 bucks, whatever it is, it's going to be worth it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.